Well, wonderful. It's great to see so many of you. My name's Rob. I'm one of the people who work here. We're going to be in a few different places in Scripture today. Just so you know, this is one of those messages that I had been working on something for a couple of weeks, and then last night it felt like I should take things in a little bit of a different direction. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but here we are together. And today I just want to talk about the call to be full of the Spirit. And I think this will make sense by the time we're done. But one thing I do actually want to do is riff off of some of the sports stuff that's happening today a little bit. So for all the basketball people in here, I'm just going to share with you some of my own street cred. (laughs) You'd love to hear this, right? You're already, I've already got a a hater in the front row. (laughs) That's okay. You are looking at the St. James Invitational Champion team member from 1991. It's true, the world did exist back then, young people. Pre-internet, pre-almost everything. We, we're, I'm from Vernon, B.C., so where are the B.C.ers from? Where are you from? Port St. James, that's pretty north, right? Okay, that's great. And then there was another B.C.er. Where are you from? Surrey, okay. That's okay, we can still be friends. Sorry, there was kind of like an interior coast, whatever. There's a big division there. Literally a mountain range, but whatever. (laughs) Anyhow, thanks for being here. There's not a lot of BC people here. Uh, Have you been through a Manitoba winter yet, either of you? Okay. No, you haven't been through a Manitoba? Okay. 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 When it's in February and you just want to end it all, you come and find me. Well, because every February feels like that for me. It's like, why do people live here? Why do people live here? It's okay. I'm, I'm just losing friends all over the place right now. But anyhow, um, yes, I think it was the 1991, could have been 1992 tournament from Vernon, B.C., and that's when I found out that it's really good to have people on your team who have failed at least one grade before they end up in the tournament, because we had at least three guys who had failed a grade on our team. One of them, I think, had maybe failed two grades, and so there was, like, absolute domination. (laughs) And then they graduated, and we were left with the everybody else team, and the next year just really were horrible. But anyhow, that's my street cred. And the thing that's great about it is because there is a little bit of an analogy for the kingdom. I believe that during that tournament where we were in first place, I was only on the court for about 30 seconds right at the end of the last game that we already had in the bag by like 20 points. And they're just like, well, we can't lose, so you can go on there, Rob. (laughs) And even though I was only on the court for 30 seconds of pity time, I came home with the same medal as everybody else. True fact? It's true. In the kingdom, if you're on Team Jesus, he did all the scoring. He got all the points. He carried the ball over every line solo. If you're on Team Jesus, you get the same medal at the end. It's called grace. It's called grace. It's called grace. So there you go. I lived the dream, and I lived the nightmare, and I'm telling my stories about it. Anyhow, we're looking at being full of the Spirit. And the big idea today is I just, 
You know, we're doing this series on the Holy Spirit. We believe in the Trinity here, and we don't want to just give lip service to the Trinity. We believe in the Father. We believe in the Son. We believe in the Holy Spirit. And we want to believe in what the Bible tells us about the Trinity. Each one fully God, and they together are the one true God. And I know I've just kind of broken English a little bit there, but guess what? If, you, if your God is simple, simple enough for you to figure out, maybe it's time to upgrade to a, a real God. If your God is smaller than you and simpler than you and weaker than you and can't even do as much as you can do, maybe it's time to upgrade to the real God. So anyhow, we're talking about the Holy Spirit. And the one of the things I'm just not convinced about yet is if... uh, This is what I'm thinking. I can talk about the Holy Spirit as much as I want to, but if you're not convinced you need him, I'm wasting our time. That makes sense? If I can't convince you that there is a big difference between a life in faith in God the Holy Spirit and without faith in Him, then what are we doing here? You're just sitting through a really boring talk. And all the students, you're going to be subjected to that lots this year, I'm sure, in some of your courses. So why would you take time on Sunday to come and experience that as well? So I just, if all I can do is just stir up your hunger to be full of the Holy Spirit, mission accomplished over here. So we're going to read about the early church. This is in the book of Acts, and there was a bit of a problem in the church because there were some people who were feeling neglected. So this is how I understand it. The early church was a bit of a self-contained community, not quite a colony because they were in Jerusalem, but their choice to follow Jesus and no longer fit into the regular Jewish world in Jerusalem, cost them a lot of friends and cost them some social status and cost them some connections. And so they were having to learn how to do life kind of dependent on each other. And there was a lot of widows in the early church, as I understand it. Back in those days, Jewish people would want to move back to Jerusalem to die so that they could be buried in the Holy Land. And very often, husbands would die a lot sooner than the wives. Sometimes the husbands would be older. Just in general, guys seem to uh, wear themselves out a little bit faster than women do in general. And so the early church had a lot of widows in it because the husbands would be dead, obviously, and in that time they needed some care. And there were two groups of widows then. There were kind of the... I don't know if you'd use the word regular, but there'd be the kind of Hebrew Jewish widows in Jerusalem, but there were also the Greek-speaking widows, very likely those who had come from other countries that spoke Greek as a main language and moved to Jerusalem later in life. But there was this division, and it looked like some of these widows that were the Greek-speaking ones, which are called the Hellenists, were being neglected. And so we'll read this passage together. Now in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists, which means like the Greek-speaking people, arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution of food. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples, so that would be the twelve apostles, summoned the full number of the disciples and said, it is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables, Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the Spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. 
but we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering, and they chose Stephan, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, and a proselyte of Antioch. These they set before the apostles, and they prayed and lay hands on them. Okay, so very interesting story. You may even wonder why this ended up in the Bible, but this is the church dealing with uh, an issue in the church. And a couple things that are kind of cool, you know, the complaint was from the Greek-speaking people that their widows are being ignored, and so the apostles just say, hey, we, it's not really our job to do this table waiting. We've got a different calling, so why don't we appoint people to do it? You guys go and find people who are... Uh, full of wisdom and full of the Holy Spirit. And the people that were all appointed to it, they all have Greek names. And so essentially they, they chose Greek-speaking people for the job. And a, a nice little example of like the people complaining ending up being part of the solution. Amen? If you've been at Calvary for a long time, so many people who are older at Calvary, they just stop complaining because they know they don't want to do it. Right, so they just don't even bring it because they don't want to do it because they know. Hey, so you see a problem? Great, thanks for volunteering. That's usually the answer from the leadership, and they're like, I don't want to volunteer, so I'm just going to shut my mouth. It's funny, but the thing that is really I'm just want to harp on today is this part here: pick out for yourself seven men of good repute full of the spirit of wisdom, and will appoint them to this duty. And this is what I'm going to wave my arms about. Very obviously, from this passage, being full of the spirit needs to be something that other people can tell is happening to you. Am I right? Very obviously, if the job description is they're wise and they have a good reputation and they're full of the Spirit, all three of those things need to be people that other people can see in them enough in order to volunteer them for the job. True? So if you go and you apply for a job and it's like you've got a BA in science and you've got some experience in lab work and you don't mind giving people needles, those are all things that you can either show a piece of paper that you've accomplished or go and talk to you, give a reference for a previous employer to say that, that, yeah, it's true, they worked here. These are all things that other people can verify have happened or is happening. True? So I'm just making the point that biblically, being full of the Spirit has to be something that other people can notice is either happening or is not happening in your or my life. Who's starting to feel insecure right now? (laughs) Right? Who's starting to go, "Uh uh-oh, What if other people don't think I'm full of the Spirit? What if I'm not full of the Spirit? What if I don't think? Does my wife think I'm full of the Spirit? Like who's? Anybody? Nobody? Somebody? This is the whole point of just looking at this passage. Now I do want to say that in some sense, Scripture does teach us that every single true believer in Jesus has the Holy Spirit. 
In Romans chapter 8, it tells us that if you're a believer in Christ, you have the Holy Spirit. And if anybody does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. But if the Spirit who raised Jesus Christ from the dead is in you, he who gave life to Christ's mortal body will also raise you from the dead. That's Romans chapter 8. And so, like, if you don't have the Spirit, you're not a Christian. And if you are a Christian, you do have the Spirit in some sense. However, it does seem to me from this passage that there are people who make the most of the indwelling Spirit, so much so that other people can look at them and be like, that person is full of the Spirit. And then there must have also been, amongst these Hellenist people or amongst the young Jewish men, people who were not making the most of the indwelling Holy Spirit, which would then disqualify them from bringing food to widows. Weirdly, I've never seen a job description at a church with full of the Holy Spirit on the job description. Maybe we've done that. I can't remember. Maybe we did. But how often would you even see that? But this is like the first job description in the Bible for the New Testament church. They should have a good reputation with people. They should be wise, which means like they, can figure, they know how to do the job, and they're full of the Spirit. And your, your church should be able to tell. Well, what do you guys think about that? This would be the, the Selah moment. Pause and reflect. Would your, would your church leaders say, you're someone who's full of the Spirit, would the people who live with you say, you are someone who's full of the Spirit? Fascinating question. Not a guilt trip. Not at all. Actually, just kind of exciting. Because even if right now you're insecure about it, do you know what the response is? The, the like correct response, if you're insecure? I'm going to get myself full of the Spirit should be the correct response. I've never thought about this. Whatever the Bible means, when it says there's a difference between someone who is full of the Spirit and someone who isn't, and you can tell just by looking at them and how they live, I want the good thing. True? Does that seem appropriate? So I think that we can just go there. We can just say, hey, I don't need to send out a survey don't need to go for a Facebook question. Just, God, whatever you mean when you say, full of the Spirit in a way that the church can tell, I want that. Does that sound like a good deal? It's a good deal. And it's really interesting because, you know, these these guys who were appointed, you might think that doing meals on wheels for the widows of a church isn't that big of a deal. But the, the gentleman who ended up being appointed to it, well, Stephen is about to get martyred for delivering one of the fieriest sermons ever in all the city of Jerusalem. So he's about to get taken out for his awesome faith. 
And Philip, a couple chapters later, after leading the Ethiopian to Jesus, is going to be one of the only people I've ever heard about who got teleported. It's one of the weirdest little lines in the Bible. And then he, he was there, and then he got translated somewhere else, and he was just somewhere else. And it's just like, huh. Which would be, of course, outside of the realm of possibility if we weren't all here worshiping somebody who died and came back from the dead and spent some time walking through walls before he went back to heaven. So all I want to do this morning is stir up your desire before the Lord to be like, I want to be full of the Spirit, whatever it means. And we're going to talk a little bit about what I think it might mean. But whatever God thinks it means for me to be full of the Spirit, sign me up. Sign me up. What's the most you can lose? Think about what you might gain. And I can tell you that there is no church in North America that has too many people filled with the Spirit right now. So, let's look a little bit about what that means. Okay, number one, I think being filled with the Spirit gives us this mindset that whatever we're doing, we are on mission, we're on team Jesus, we're on mission for God to make our lives count wherever we're at. And I get this because of why the Holy Spirit was sent. So we're going to go back a few chapters in Acts, and this is the day of Pentecost. This is the big day where the Holy Spirit was sent into the church, Jesus had gone back up to heaven. He told the disciples, don't go anywhere, don't do anything, don't try to do anything until I clothe you with power from on high so you can be empowered to take my mission, my message, excuse me, throughout the entire world. So they're in the upper room praying for a significant period of time. And then the Holy Spirit falls and tongues of fire come on them and they begin speaking in different languages so that people throughout the entire world can understand what they're saying. And people think they're drunk because it's kind of early in the morning and they're acting really weird. And Peter gets up and he starts quoting Joel to explain what's going on. But let's just just read this. I'm going to read this out loud. This is the quotation. It says, And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams, even on my male servants and my female servants. In those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show my wonders, so show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. And the sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So just to try to put this in a bit of a nutshell... One of the things about being full of spirit means you understand that since the spirit came, you're in overtime. Do you know what I mean? When you're in sports, like, like, you know, 1991 champs, young people, just giving you a little idea here. Once game time starts, aren't you in a different mindset? Pierre, does it help once the game starts for your guys to be thinking about the game? and not be thinking about Slurpees or Simpsons reruns or whatever 
horrible thing Disney has done recently? Doesn't it help to be focused on the game? I'm here to play. I got my jersey on. I know which team I'm on. I'm here to play. Now is the time. And when the Spirit was sent onto the church, God was initiating what he called the last days, which means that there isn't anything significant going to happen in the world until Jesus comes. This is the big show. The Spirit sent by Jesus into the church is the big show. And it's been, these last days have been lasting quite a while, which is great because God wants to maximize the number of different people groups who are in heaven. So the gospel needs to be spread throughout the entire world to every kind of nation and language and tongue. And God wants to have the biggest uh, spread of different kinds of people worshiping around the throne for all eternity. That's the plan. And it's taking us a while to do it. But when the Spirit came, this was the start of overtime for the people of God. And so now is the time to be in, locked in with what God is doing. Now, this is what's un- unusual about this, is that uh, being a Christian is the one sport where you're allowed to juice. where you're totally allowed to have a foreign substance come into your body in order for you to do physically and mentally what you could never do without it. That is the Holy Spirit. There's no injections and there's no drinking, but this isn't us alone. And we're allowed to do the supernatural in the name of Jesus for the sake of the win. True? But it all starts with going like, I'm, I'm here to be a servant of the Spirit. I'm here to be full of the Spirit. I'm here to serve Jesus in whatever role it is. Now, you can think because of what's going on here, this means you need to quit your job and quit your school and quit whatever you're doing and go on the mission field or go into full-time ministry. Negatory. No, don't do it. It's wherever God has planted you, that's where you're meant to grow. But wherever you are, people who are in the Spirit don't think, oh, I'm just a student, or I'm just a teacher, or I'm just a mom. They think, I'm a mom called to be a mom full of the Spirit, or I'm a student called to be full of the Spirit as a student, or I'm a teacher called to be full of the Spirit as a teacher, taking ground for the kingdom wherever God has sent me, even if it means meals on wheels for widows, right? How many people would be so discouraged if that was your calling? I want to give my life to Jesus. Great, there's some, you know, there's a lady two blocks down the road. Here's some wheat. Go and deliver it. Ah, No, this is the big show. And if you're really good at this, then you might get translated someday. But the question is actually more like, hey, we've got some widows to take care of. Do you have what it takes? To take care of widows? Let's see your wisdom. Do you have a good reputation? Have you worked any miracles? No miracles, no widows. See, the, the churches just like turn things up, upside down for us. Are you good enough to scrub the toilets at Calvary Chapel? Saints use those toilets. They need to be clean. Have you worked any miracles? Do you speak in tongues? How many people have you led to Jesus? No evangelism, no toilets. Are you feeling me yet? 
I'm just telling you what's happening in the book. But this is what <laughs> ah. And all I'm trying to do is say, like, we are called to be people full of the Spirit. We're called not to neglect the gift of the Spirit in us. And it really starts by just saying, hey, this is serious. This isn't jokey. We're not just a Pentecostal church doing our tradition. Christians are meant to be visibly filled and overflowing with the Spirit. So that other people at church will be like, yeah, they're, yeah, oh, yeah. Thought number two, being filled with the Spirit means like wanting to be fruitful in gifts of the Spirit. So this is what I was talking about getting juiced in the Spirit. And don't juice, don't do whatever. Like, sorry, Pierre, if I'm giving people ideas. I'm, you know, you win some, you lose some when you're behind the pulpit. But the Holy Spirit was sent into the church and into individual believers with gifts to enable them to do what they could not do without him. And here's one passage talking about it. 1 Corinthians 12, Now concerning spiritual gifts, and that means gifts that come from the Holy Spirit, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagan, so people who didn't believe in Jesus, you were led astray by mute idols or Instagram, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one says Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now, there are a variety of gifts, but by the same Spirit. And there are a variety of services, but the same Lord, the variety of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all and everyone. Notice the Trinity right there. Just, I'm pausing here. Same Spirit, same Lord, same God. And God is, in Paul's letters, usually talking about God the Father. So notice the Trinity. Everybody, can we just notice? We're not making this up. It's right there. To each is given a manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of languages, to another the interpretation of languages. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Okay, well, the point of all of this is that the Holy Spirit actually does give gifts to people. And people who are full of the Spirit want to use these gifts for the building up of the church. They want to be fruitful. They want to change things. They want to use the power that God is empowering them with in order to make the church and the world around them a better place for Jesus. Amen? I'm going to say something. Calvary loves broken and hurting people. We're sometimes called a hospital church or a triage church or a place where people crash land their lives and find a safe place to recover and get to know God and find friends. And this is wonderful and good. And at the same time, if I could encourage every one of us to long for and desire to be full of the Spirit so that the overflowing of grace from us is what we're known for as much as needing the help of the church. Does that make sense? So we're never going to get so uh, mature that we don't need each other. That's not what I'm saying. However, 
I do think part of the maturing process for every Christian is to be like, I want to give as good as I get. And I want to be known for my overflow as much as for what my emptiness. True? And I've got no judgment on anybody because God calls us every single day to pick up a cross and follow him. So there is a never-ending supply of suffering in the following of Jesus. However, this desire to be full to overflowing of the Spirit so that other people are regularly experiencing the life of God coming out from us and to other people is a wonderful thing to devote yourself to asking for and seeking. Amen? We're meant to be a hospital where everyone's a nurse or a doctor. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Oh man, imagine how everyone would stop complaining if everybody went to the hospital and be like, while I'm here, can I get a degree in medicine? Because I don't want to just come and go. I want to come and help that's the church. Everybody here is called to learn how to come to the hospital and to join the hospital and to help heal other people by the power of the Holy Spirit. True fact? Yeah, and you can do it because it's about being filled with the Spirit. This is my best arm workout ever. Point number three. People are, who are full of the Spirit and growing and being full of the Spirit, they are engaged with the fact that the Spirit has come and now is go time for the church and whatever you're doing, it's a gift from God to do in the power of the Spirit for the sake of His kingdom. People who are full of the Spirit and getting fuller in the Spirit want to be useful and want to be fruitful and are, are seeking the Spirit to use them for good in other people, especially through supernatural stuff that's given by the Holy Spirit. And these things combined... People who are full of the Spirit want to win the character battle. They want to win the morality battle. They want to win the ethical battle in order to stay walking with the Holy Spirit. So I'll read this passage for you. This is Galatians. Paul writing by the Spirit says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and do not gratify the desires of the flesh. The flesh here meaning like, Life apart from God, life apart from knowing God, life apart from the resurrection power of Jesus, how regular people kind of live their regular lives set uh, with their regular gods that aren't the real God. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these things are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. There's a little bit of a translation uh, quibble I have with that. I think it's better translated to keep you from doing whatever you want to do. The idea being there's the flesh that likes one thing and the spirit likes other things, and you don't just get to do whatever you want because whatever you end up doing is either going to please the spirit or please the flesh, and the flesh is evil and the spirit is good. So you can't just kind of go like, I'm going to do whatever I want to do because you're going to make an enemy of somebody make an enemy of the flesh. I think that's what's going on there. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit 
is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law, and those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. So, thinking about this basketball stuff again, look, I know I'm a faker. Just, just have mercy on me. Just forgive me. I know I'm hyping something up, but I do have memories of actually playing basketball back in the day. And the best game I ever had, you can laugh all you want here, I think I got like a total of 10 points. And it was, that was like my on fire. Did anybody ever play NBA Jam where, you, where you, the ball starts on fire after you got into whatever? In my head, I was on fire. The other best player on their team, the opposing team's best player, he was way better than me. He was faster, shooting a bit better. He could not control his temper. So he would foul, and then when they called the foul, he would lose it. And then he would foul, and they'd call the foul, and he lost it. And my last memory of this guy is him storming out of, the, out of the gym and his coach calling after him. No, wait, stop, Jimmy, come back. No, don't do this. And, uh, and we won because their best player just could not get the self-control together to take out his frustrations with the hoop. You know what I mean? Like your best revenge is winning. What is it? The ball never lies? Is that, is that the saying? The ball, yeah. And so there's, this is what this passage is talking about. If you're on Team Jesus, don't, like people who are full of the Spirit don't want their character and their misaligned desires and their unbelief to wreck what God has called them to do. They've got a position. They've got an opportunity. They've got a team that's either going to do better or worse because of how they're performing. And if you're full of the Spirit, you want that love. You want that joy. You want that peace. You want that self-control because you know if you don't have it, the, uh, the other options are going to cost you the game. And so people who are full of the Spirit and seeking to be full of the Spirit, they take this stuff seriously. I don't want sorcery. I don't know why I picked that one, but... <laughs> is anybody here thinking about that stuff? I don't want jealousy. Well, that one might hit a little closer to home. I want the spirit, not jealousy. I don't want strife. I want the spirit. I don't want fits of anger. I want the spirit. I don't want rivalries. No, there's a healthy way of doing this, but there's a really bad way of doing this, where you're just as happy to see your whole team lose because you hate another player on your team than for you to put your pride aside and be a better team together. I don't want divisions. I don't want sexual immorality. Well, that's the thing. You do want it. That's why you do it. But I want the Spirit more. So I want whatever I have to do to get free and stay free. 
knowing that I'm forgiven by God in Jesus and that I have the Holy Spirit's power in my heart and I've got brothers and sisters to walk with me in the process of walking in the light and gaining self-control and gaining the freedom that we have in Jesus. But what I'm saying is that the Holy Spirit inside of us leads us to take this stuff really seriously. And as we do, it becomes a bit more and more evident that we're full of the Spirit. Because you can see the love. Gentleness is pretty visible. Patience is one of the most visible things you'll ever show or not show. True? It's funny, I was, I was laughing when Emily was talking about the, uh, the children's ministry ages expanding later on. Because we've got so many young people here and you have no idea when the ages re-expand, how good that is. Am I right? You know, when it's like full-service children's ministry, yes. Because it requires a lot of patience, kids do. True? They require a lot of patience. So, I'm going to give the band the warning, but this is my arms waving. Young people, Old people, BCites, Ontarians, Manitobers, <laughs> people from France. <laughs> this is our one shot. Let's be full of the Spirit in whatever God has called us to do full of his love and power, full of his grace and compassion, full of his ability and supernatural winsomeness, full of his leading and ability to impact other people, full of his freedom and cleanliness, full of his overcomingness, full of his everything. Now is the time. This is the age. What better time than when the world is blowing up and shutting down and the money's going like this and the countries are going like this to each other. What better time to rediscover that all the power of God is available to the believers of Jesus. What a better time to say, I don't want to just sit in a pew or a chair or stand or whatever. I want the fullness of God in the Holy Spirit. What better time to be like, I want to do everything I did before, but I want it to be completely different because of the presence of God in my life. This is the time. This is the age. This is the moment. This is your time to be full of the Spirit so that you can be worthy of taking care of some widows. So pray for this. Ask God for this. Read the scriptures for this. Let him work on your heart. If you're bold enough, you can even ask people who know you, would you ever have thought of me as a person who's full of the Spirit? And let them be honest. I know as Canadians, we don't love honesty that much. We like politeness. <laughs> True? I said it before, I say it again. When you live in a country where if someone runs their shopping cart into you and you apologize, you know something's gone so wrong. <laughs> it's going to be awesome, guys. You've, we have such a great opportunity. I know. 
I know, and it can be a little spooky and crazy. No matter what you end up doing, I'm sure I'm much weirder than you are. We can still be friends. But this is a wonderful time. I think this is the time. Band, you guys can come up. I'm going to keep talking until you're ready. Young people, this is the time. You can be so filled with the Holy Spirit by faith. Why don't you pray for each other? You're the team. Why don't you start praying for each other? Amen? And do it. And just like, why don't you talk about real life, but pray. Be full of the Spirit together. Hit the courts full of the Spirit. You may not win. That's totally fine. Because there's resurrection power. That's the whole point of the resurrection. The loser is now the king of the world. I know, guys, I can't say you're like, no, the win. I'm here to win. We're here to win. Are you here to win? Pierre's just like, don't tell him it's okay to lose. You've got to be here to win. Okay, fine. Win in the Spirit. Win full of the Holy Spirit. Show the world what it looks like for Spirit-filled guys to dunk on other non-Spirit-filled guys. (laughs) Father God, we just come to you. Okay, so I just have this thing on my heart. I think there are a handful of people right now that when I'm talking about this, you know in your heart you've always wanted this. But there's something, there's something. Was it what your parents think about you? Is it your friends? What is it? What is it that's costing you or keeping you from just saying, yeah, all in? What is it? Do you, have you, can you tell? Can you tell the Lord what it is you're afraid you're going to lose if you say yes? Because God already knows and he loves you, but I think now is the time. Now really is the time. So just go for it, sister. Go for it, brother. Just ask him. Go on the journey with him. Say, Lord, six months from now, I want him to look back and say, the hand of God was on my life. Father, we just give you Calvary Church. Lord, you know how churches are. They get their own way and they do their own thing and they blah, 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 blah. But Lord, in this age, I pray, Father, you would fill us with the Spirit afresh so that we might be as fruitful and effective for your kingdom in a country that has lost its way big time. Father, I put my heart on the altar. I put my ministry on the altar. I put my life on the altar. I just pray if you would just fill us with the fullness of the Spirit, not so that we can say we've accomplished anything, but that we can be as useful and glorifying to you as possible. I would consider that a real love gift. Be glorified, Lord.